Oh my goodness, I needed to hear that. As we think about and reflect upon just last Sunday was Easter Sunday, we hear again the choir sing those words, I will make all things new. And that is only because our Savior Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. I will make all things new. And so we live with a resurrection view of life. That is how we live. And also hearing those last words, you are mine, not you were mine. That's past tense. You are mine, and that's because our Savior is alive. He lives in my heart today, and I know that he lives in many of your hearts, and we're praying that some would come to know that saving knowledge of Jesus Christ today. Would you open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1? Let's go to the book of Acts. We have been in the Gospels these last four Sundays leading up to Easter, and now I want us to take a moment just in, uh, as a matter of fact, we'll take this Sunday and next Sunday. I really want us to look at the ascension of Jesus Christ. Uh, so many times we, we spend a lot of time building up to the birth of Jesus Christ at Easter time. And then we spend weeks leading up to the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. But oftentimes that ascension does not receive quite the attention that we should give it. And, and so this morning and next morning, uh, next Sunday morning, I want us to look at the ascension. And also I think part of that is I really do love to preach on the ascension and especially here with my church family, uh, April the 11th, 1999, was the first Sunday that I got to preach here at Southern Hills Baptist Church. It was the first Sunday following Easter Sunday, April the 4th of 99, and our former pastor, Jerry Fielder, that was his final Sunday as our pastor. And so that very next Sunday, I got to preach for the first time here, and I preached on the ascension out of Acts chapter 1. And so so many things have just, the Lord has used to lead me to come back to Acts chapter 1 here following Easter. And let's take a couple of Sundays and look at the ascension. Before we read the passage of Scripture, let's understand something about Acts. And it may, may be helpful to you to understand why I think the Lord led me to this passage of Scripture. The book of Acts is really a transitional book. And here's what I mean by that. I I want you to imagine for just a moment that we have the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what if the very next book in the Bible was the book of Romans? And so at the end of the Gospels, you have Jesus has arisen, and you have Luke who recounts the ascension, and so you know that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and Luke recounts that he ascended back to the Father. John mentions the ascension, doesn't record it. He mentions in the sense of Jesus saying to Mary Magdalene, do not cling to me, I have not yet ascended to the Father. Okay, so Luke recounts it. So I want us to picture for just a moment, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we come to the end of the Gospels. Jesus has died, buried, risen from the dead. Luke records that he's ascended to the Father. And then what if the next thing that we read is Romans chapter 1, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, to the Romans. We would think, 
okay, first of all, who's Paul? When did he get on, when did he arrive on the scene? And how in the world did it go from Jesus risen, ascended, 11 disciples who are staring up into the sky, they go back to Jerusalem, and the next thing you know, we're in Rome? That's why we have the book of Acts. Acts is a transitional book. Acts is what moves us from the ends, end of the gospel to where the church is now being a witness in the city of Rome. And so Acts is huge in this transitional period. And I want you to know Acts is huge in this transitional period. We are in a transitional period right now. Folks, please hear this. I am convinced we, we, that life is never going to be back to the old normal. And you know what? In many ways, I'm really thankful. There's going to be a new norm. We are in a transitional period. Please hear this. Because I don't think I'm overstating it. We are in a transitional period in our world's history. We are in a transitional period in our church history. We are in a transitional period in how worship is done, how ministry is done. And, and I want you to know that when we think about history, when we reflect back, history is not a history of how the economy has done over thousands of years. That's, that's not history. History is not even about man and our accomplishments and, and the things that have been invented. That's not history. Here's what history is. History is God's unfolding plan of redemption. That is what history is. History is God creating, God, a man falling, man sinning, God saving, and then God using those saved people to be a witness in the world that God creates and God saves. That's history. It's his story. And so as we think about this transitional period in the history of our world, I am convinced God is using this time to make all things new. And please know I fully acknowledge, along with our church family, that for many this has been an extremely difficult time. Folks who have lost loved ones and many who have been sick and suffered. But what Satan intended for harm, God intends for good. And I want us to hear this morning. So what do we do now during this transitional time? If you remember, if I, if I took you back to the middle of March... On March the 15th, we kind of transitioned. We did three worship services, 8, 9, and 10. We did no Sunday school on that day. March the 22nd was our first Sunday where we were strictly online only. And what the Lord had led me to preach on during that time was Jesus and his crucifixion and, and the garden and leading up to Easter. And so... I really didn't preach to the context of the time that we were in, the coronavirus. I really felt led that we needed to focus in on Jesus Christ, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. 
But now the Lord has really led in my heart that I need to share what the Lord has laid on my heart and speak to this transition time that we're in. And boy, I'm so thankful for a book like Acts, a transitional book that's going to help us to understand instructions for the church. What are we to do now? Go with me now. Here we go. Acts chapter 1. We're going to start reading in Acts 1, verse 1. We're going to read the first eight verses. The ascension really goes through verse 11. But this morning, Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 8. Here we go. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them. Please don't miss these words that Luke is writing. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them to shelter in place. Tommy's right. Whenever you try to say something funny, it just, right now, it just you don't hear anything. So I hope that you chuckled at home. Here we go. Verse 4. And while staying with them... He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Our Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. What a joy it is to get to preach your word. And Lord, I pray... Lord, you've changed me this week through the reading and the studying of your word. And Lord, I pray now that you would anoint me with the Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that the work of the Holy Spirit through the word of God, Lord, that lives would be changed for your name's sake. Lord, I pray that someone today would hear from you. Lord, I pray that whatever is distracting in me, Lord, that you would remove. I truly want someone today to come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And so, Lord, we pray for our lives to be changed, for others' lives to be changed. Lord, we pray for you to receive the glory and the honor and the praise. Lord, anoint this time, and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to start up in verse 6. And it's because as I was studying this passage throughout the week, the Lord really arrested my heart at verse 6. Listen to this opening phrase. So when they had come together. 
What a beautiful phrase in the Bible. And please remember that the scripture is always so relevant. It is alive and active. It speaks to where we are right now. Listen to those words. So when they had come together. Can you imagine as beautiful as those words sound to us as we look forward to that point at which we get to come back together. So when they'd come together, can you imagine how meaningful that was to them? And it's because, friends, we have to remember that from the Garden of Gethsemane, hours before the cross, the disciples had been largely scattered from the Garden of Gethsemane forward. Judas went out and hanged himself. John alone among the male disciples was there at the cross. Jesus, uh, Peter, the scripture says, went out and wept bitterly, and the rest of them scattered. Now, there were times over the 40 days between the resurrection and the ascension when the disciples were together, the 11 of them. There were times... But I also want you to know that over that 40-day period, there were times they were scattered. As a matter of fact, the Gospel of John closes with chapter 21 with Peter saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go fishing. And in that passage, there are only six other disciples who are with Peter. The other four are not with them. And so I want you to think about in this 40-day period how isolated oftentimes they had been from one another and how meaningful it was for them to all be back together. So when they had all come together. And so the question needs to be asked, why had they come together? Why at that point? Well, let's take a look at that. And so I want you to look again at verse 6. It opens with two words, so when. In the Greek, the, the way that that is literally translated in the Greek, it would be a phrase that would be like, therefore indeed. Two words, therefore indeed. So when, therefore indeed, they had come back together. Well, the therefore always backs us up to help us to understand what came before is helping us to understand why they have come together. So what has happened before? Look again at verse 1. Daryl, hang on everyone, we're hearing... Uh, All right, hang on, everyone. We, there are we. Okay, it's I'm back on and I'm not hearing it. Okay, I'm getting a thumbs up. We're just hearing it a little bit. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, so the so when they had come together, we have to understand what has happened in the first five verses helps us understand why they had come together. What has happened? What has happened in the first five verses? Well, back up with me again. Luke says Jesus, uh, all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And pay attention. Look at, look at verse 3. 
he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. As a matter of fact, some translations say he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Here's what I want us to understand in this. The reason that they, they had come together be, was because of a risen Savior. He presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Friends, listen, the, the faith that we have, Christianity, the religion that we have, is based upon actual historical events. And I think sometimes we take that for granted as followers of Christ, but I want us to understand that that is completely different from every other religion. Almost every other religion, you can separate the teachings from anything that was historical. Take Buddhism, for instance. If we were to find out today, well, there was not an actual historical Buddha, we would still have Buddhist teachings And Buddhism could continue on. Hinduism the same way. Hinduism could continue on based upon ideas or philosophies or teachings separate from history. Christianity is not like that. You can't separate our faith from actual historical events. If Jesus did not die, if Jesus was not buried, if Jesus did not raise from the dead, if he did not ascend back to the Father, we don't have anything to stand on. We don't have any instruction on what to do next. And so please understand, our faith is based upon actual historical events. Why had the disciples gotten together? When the scripture says, so when they had come together, why did that happen? Because the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, told them to, and he told them, I will meet you there when you come together. Friends, that has not changed. Why do we get together today? Because Jesus has instructed us to, and he's told us, I'll meet you there when you come together. You see, everything that we do, just like the choir as they sang that song, you are mine, present tense, Jesus still instructs us. So point number one in this passage, Jesus instructs us. Why do we get together? Because the Holy Spirit of Christ instructs us to come together. And he's told us, I'll meet you there when you get together. Friends, so let's speak now to this time that we're in. Again, there are many difficult things that have come out of this. But I also want you to know that there are some really good things that have also come out of this time. One of them is, for the first time in a long time, Sunday as a day of worship has been the only game in town. And I mean that in every sense of the word. For the last five weeks, Sunday morning worship has been the only game in town. And I think and I'm hoping that for many of us, 
It has returned worship to the priority place that it is supposed to be in every believer's heart. Folks, whenever we come out of this, if, if someone were to ask you, a non-believer were to ask you, so what have you been doing, uh, you know, what, what were you doing on Sundays these last five weeks? And if you were to say, well, I, I worshiped online with my church family, that person might be able to say, well, I'm, I'm sure you did. There was nothing else going on. I mean, it was really the only thing to do, and so I'm sure you did because really you didn't have any other option but to do that one thing on Sunday. Friends, what needs to happen is that whenever we do come back together, whenever society starts allowing baseball tournaments and dance recitals and lake trips and all that stuff, whenever all that comes back together, I'm praying that we will be a changed people and that we don't worship on Sunday morning simply because there wasn't anything else to do, but that whenever we get back to where there are a million other things to do on Sunday, worship will still have its priority place in our heart. Why? Because Jesus tells me to. That's why I've come here today. Jesus tells me to. That's why others are here. That's why you're watching online right now. It ought to be because Jesus tells us to. And he says, and I'll meet you there when you get together. And so let this be a time where we understand, Lord, whatever I've done in the past, however I treated Sundays before, however I treated every day of the week when I knew I needed to worship you personally and privately, Lord, whatever I've done in the past, I recommit in my heart now, Lord, so when they had come together is going to be the priority place in my heart Friends, that will be the testimony to our society. Not that we worship during the five weeks because there was no other option, but that now that there are other options, worship is the priority of my life because Jesus tells me to. There's only one other point to this morning's sermon. And so join me now. Let's pick back up in verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And so we know what the disciples are asking. They're, they're asking, okay, so, Lord, we've been with you for three years. We went through a lot during that time. The kingdom was never restored to Israel. The last days did not come. And then you died, and we thought it was all over. But now you've raised from the dead you're here, and so, Lord, it, it didn't come three years ago. It didn't come two years ago. It didn't come a year ago. And at the death, we thought it wasn't going to come at all, but now you've raised the so Lord. Now, is this the time? Is this it? And so, very similarly, similarly, I have a hard time saying that word. I probably should just leave it out of my vocabulary. So, in, a, in the same way, a lot of folks are asking, so are these the last days? Well, I've, been, I've gotten that question a lot. So, so, Pastor, what do you think? Does this coronavirus, does this mean that this is it? 
And I want to answer in the same way Jesus has instructed us to answer. And so listen to what he says to them. It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Did you hear that? The date has already been fixed by his own authority. Sometimes I'm asked, so when are we going to get back together? And that is a shifting date. That date has not been fixed. Friends, please know, I would love for this place to be filled today. I would love for it to be next Sunday or the Sunday after that. I would love our our whole staff, many in our church family, we would love for there to be a time when it comes back, back together. But we can't fix that date right now. It's a shifting date. There are many things that are going to have to take place. And please know, it needs to be for every church family what is right for that church family. I got to preach at a church one time in southeast Oklahoma. This was years, 30 years ago. There were less than 10 people in that church. I'm hoping that they're meeting today because there's less than 10 people in that church. I've gotten to preach at churches that ran 25 and 30 and 40 and 50. And it may be that in the next few weeks, they'll be able to get together. And so, friends, please know, we all want to get back together. And so, please join us in praying for God's wisdom that we would move on the Lord's timing Yes, we listen to our government and we listen to what restrictions and and we pay attention to that, absolutely. But that we also be sensitive in our church family to what the Lord is telling us to do. And whatever date that is, there will be those who it wasn't soon enough and there will be some that it's too soon. Uh, There are some in our church family who are ready to say, I'll see you Sunday. And there are some who are saying, I'll see you in September. I get it. I get that. Please know, we will be offering worship options in every way that we can. The Facebook Live, live streaming on our website. We will continue that. And so we will try to be sensitive to the Lord's leading. Now, I've said all that to help us understand That date, when we get back together, is a shifting date. But that's not the case with the end times, the last times. Jesus said that date has been fixed by the Father, by his own authority. Okay, so what Jesus did in answering their question, is this the last time? Is this the end of it? He redirected them to what they're supposed to be doing. In essence, guys, that's not to be your focus when it's going to happen. But instead, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. He redirected them to believers as believers in Jesus Christ. Here's what you to do, you're to do. Don't Focus on, are these the last days? Friends, we're in the last days, obviously. As a matter of fact, if you'll go with me, uh, we're going to pull up on the screen Luke chapter 21. I want to show you something in Luke chapter 21. Okay, let me get there. Luke chapter 21. I I want you to start reading with me. 
Okay, here we go. In verse 10, listen to this. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places famine and pestilences. And there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. Listen, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. Friends, even in the midst then, of what Jesus was saying was going to be the end times, he is saying to them, that's not your focus. Your focus is you will be my witness. And so, folks, here we go. Instructions for the church. What should the instructions for the church be? Well, number one, that we come together because Jesus tells us to, the prioritical order of worship in our lives. But second of all, for believers, for believers, what is our instruction during this time? Be my witness. Be my witness. Friends, I appeal to you again, brothers and sisters in Christ, let's not come out of this time. However much longer it lasts, let's not come out of it. That And there was not one single time that we were a witness for Jesus Christ in the midst of this. Folks, there, there are times when John Piper is a wonderful pastor, theologian, writer. And there are times that I will read some of the things that, that he's written. Piper uses a phrase right now that I think is really appropriate. He calls this time a thunderclap from God. And boy, uh, Piper's from up north. I, I, if anyone ought to understand the phrase thunderclap from God, it's us here in Oklahoma. Because you've been in that situation where you, you noticed a few clouds were starting to roll in but didn't think a whole lot about it. We have clouds a lot here. But then all of a sudden, it seems like out of the literal blue, there will be this thunderclap. And I mean, you've heard it before, where it will be loud and you'll think, wow. And it got your attention because you knew that meant there's something coming. And I better get ready. Piper refers to this time as a thunderclap from God. That believers should come out of this understanding. This was God getting our attention. God has allowed this to happen in order for believers' attention to be gained and that we understand not that I'm focusing on are these the last days, but that I need to be a witness. Folks, I'm thankful that we have the book of Revelation. I'm thankful for prophecy. I'm thankful for those who have written about it. But oftentimes the danger is that we let the study of the end times detract us and distract us from the main focus that Jesus has given us, which is don't focus so much on when it's going to happen. You be my witness. 
And so then to unbelievers, please know that the, the scripture has a word for all unbelievers. And I pray that there are unbelievers listening right now. I want to take you to Luke chapter 13. And I want you to listen to what Jesus said that in the midst of, of a, a tragedy that had happened back in the New Testament, back when Jesus was alive, a tragedy that had happened. I want you to listen to the message and the instruction that Jesus was giving to unbelievers. Luke chapter 13, verse 1. There were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifice. And he answered them, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? No, I tell you, but unless you repent you will all likewise perish. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So friends, for believers, we need to hear this thunderclap from God that you are to be my witnesses. But friends, please hear this. If you are an unbeliever, I pray that this thunderclap from God would help us to understand this is the time to repent. Folks, the coronavirus has been awful. It has caused a lot of damage, but friends, it is not nearly as awful as the judgment of God will be. It is not nearly as awful as the wrath of God on someone. It is nearly not nearly as awful as the consequences of sin. And so in the midst of those tragedies that people brought to Jesus' attention, he said, here's what you need to be thinking about, that unless you repent you too will likewise perish. If you're an unbeliever, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, please don't come out of this time with a heart that has turned colder to the things of God, but instead today repent and turn to him. I'm going to close with this. When we look at the end of the book of Acts, it ends with these words, and Paul spent two years in Rome, and, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God, and then it ends. And it almost, it almost compels us to say, well, then what happened next? What happened to Paul? What happened to all the churches that had started what happened to the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did it make it past Rome? And friends, that's where us as the church now, we get to keep writing the acts of the apostles. We get to keep writing these pages of history of God's unfolding plan. Our names will never appear in the book of Acts in the Bible. But our names will get to appear in the pages of God's history. Will we come out of this saying, Lord, it was during the coronavirus time. I was an unbeliever. I was cold against God. But I turned my life. 
I understood that sickness is helping us understand the sin that has come into the world. And that unless I repent, I'm going to perish and be separated from God. As believers, that you would come out of this understanding, I am to be a witness for Jesus Christ. And so what is the Lord calling you to? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, would you call right now, 682-5678. That's area code 405 682 Five six seven eight. We'd love to shock, talk with you and point you to Jesus Christ. Let someone know, our Heavenly Father, I pray that right now, Lord, hearts are turning to you. Lord, I pray for unbelievers that they would repent and turn to you in salvation. Lord, I pray for believers that today they would recommit. Lord, worship is the priority order of my life. The worship of the, Jesus Christ And Lord, I will be a witness. And so Lord, I pray your anointing, your blessing on our church family. Lord, use us for your glory and we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen.